Good morning. Let's begin with a word of prayer, please. We come to you, Heavenly Father, just praying that you'll be with us during this time of this time of study and devotion to you, that you may truly cause us to examine our hearts. We ask that just now, Heavenly Father, that you'll give me the words to say, and, and in all things, may all glory be yours. In your Son's sweet and precious, powerful name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. I told my treadmill buddy, I said, man, we're going to have a special preacher Sunday morning, and you best be there. So, Galen, I'm sorry that it's me, but I appreciate you being here. How many of y'all have had a used car? Hold your hand up. Anybody had a used car? How many of y'all had a new car? Hold your hand up. That's exactly how I feel when I leave a dealer. I just got been held up. Well, I got to thinking. I got to thinking. Because it's time for Tammy and I to be really considering a, a new car. And I, I thought, what kind of car would I want? What would my car be? And I don't know whether you have access to the Internet, but you go on there and you can build whatever kind of car you want. I mean, you just push this button, that button, they'll even get a hold of a dealer and he'll call you. He'll call you. Well, so I got to plan. Thinking about what my car would look like. And here's what I come up with. I have a brand new 72 Mustang Mach 1 in canary yellow. With a 302 boss, 350 horsepower, T-tops, predictive cruise, lane departure avoidance, Apple Play, XM Radio, and all-wheel drive. Leather high back bucket seats with a Hurst shifter. 40 mile per gallon per city and 50 per highway. All of this for $3,500. <laughs> That's my car. You know? It took me back to my childhood because that really, part of that was my first car. So it was a used 72 Mustang Canary Yellow. But I got to thinking what about my church? What do I want my church to look like? And, and I got to think. My church would be, uh, you know, one of those long rectangular churches where you only got one aisle and you got the sheep on one side and the goats on the other, so to speak. You know, not like this. I mean, people can come at you from any direction and, and you just know what to do. And I thought, in my church... What kind of activities would I have? Man, I'd want all kinds of activities. For the young, for the old, for those in between, all kinds of activities. Now, I don't know whether I'm going to take part in any of them, but that's what I would want in my church. I'd want a choir in my church. I mean, I'm talking about four rows in robes. Amen. But I probably won't be singing in it, okay? But, but, but that's what I want in my church, a choir. And budget, I want a church with a healthy bottom line so they don't guilt me every Sunday into giving something that I don't want to give. Amen? I want them to have an active outreach in my church. 
I mean, I want them to be a bunch of door-knocking Christians. I want us to reach out to the lost world, to the dying world, to those who are wretched in sin. I sure hope they find somebody that will do that. Because that's really not something I'm, I would really want to do in my church. But that's what I want in my church. But last but not least, I forgot about the preacher. I want this preacher that I remember from my childhood. His name was Harold Hatfield. Y'all didn't know Harold Hatfield. And I don't remember whether Harold Hatfield was a very good preacher or not, but he was nice to me. Okay? I don't remember if much about him. He had kids my age, and I liked to play with his kids, and they liked to play with us. Loved his wife. Maybe I'm kind of stuck back in 1972 when it comes to my preacher for my church. See, really, I want my preacher for my church to be all things for all people and do all the things that I won't do that I should be doing. Because I'm paying him, right? Amen. That's what the preacher I want in my church. Okay? I really don't want the Apostle Paul. Uh-uh. Because the Apostle Paul, man, he'd step on my toes. And then I don't really want Peter, because Peter don't cut you no slack. Remember, Peter's the one that said, get on your knees and wail and moan, because you've drifted so far from the Word of God. No. I want my church to have things my way. And then, you know, like I often do, I think. And thinking for me is a dangerous thing at times. Because I think about thinking, about what I thought about. And you can really get lost thinking. Paul to the book to the church at Colossae in chapter one, verse fifteen says, "The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him." He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He may have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have in all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood, Shed on the cross. Wow, I got bad news for you and bad news for me. This isn't my church and it's not your church. It was bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And how dare we think this is my church or your church or our church when it is God's church. 
This is an awesome opportunity that we have to gather together in His name. We don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. We can never deserve what He did on that cross behind that screen that you can't see. So, since this is God's church, should we not be asking God what He wants? Huh. Well, I think there's one thing that God wants. Okay? Just one. Now, it's really broad. Alright? But I think there's one thing that God wants. He wants your and my faithfulness. Just one thing. Now, I told you, it's broad. So, we're going to break down three parts where it's broad. One, He wants faithfulness in your stewardship. Oh, no, Joey's going to talk about offering again money. No, I'm not. See, while the passage I'm going to read we often hear during the offertory, and rightly so, it does have to do with money. There's a lot more to it than just money. So listen to this. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. And so also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled in accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five, and the master said, You've entrusted me with five bags. See if I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant, you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, really to embrace what 
Jesus said in Matthew, the 25th chapter, you got to read the 25th chapter. Because, see, that's kind of right there in it. And there's a lot of stuff before it. And there's a lot of stuff after it. See, Jesus, in the 25th chapter of Matthew, when he told his story, he was talking about the end time. He was talking about the coming of God. That return. And he wanted the disciples to know that, hey guys, they were meeting in Gethsemane the last time before the last time. That this body, that this mind, that this money, that this hands, these talents that you've been blessed with by God are not yours. They're on loan. They're mine. And I'm going to judge you based on what you do with your time, with your money, with your life, or with your talents. See, that's how it's going to be in the last times. That's how we'll be judged. So while this has to do with giving money, it has to do more with stewardship in that what are we doing with what God has given us? Are we doing anything with it? Are we? Am I? See, Peter said in 1 Peter the 4th chapter, verse 10, Each one of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God requires faithfulness and stewardship. And the next thing I believe God requires is faithfulness and dress. Ain't I looking good up here today? I even got my Z coils on. You think God cares? Not a bit. He really doesn't. God's Word tells us that we need to dress in modesty. But God's Word also tells us how we are to clothe ourselves. See, God cares about your clothes. Now, He don't care if it's a tie or if it's a suit. a dress or a blouse or jeans or whatever. See, God says in the book of Romans, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension or jealousy. Rather, everybody listen, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. See, we're to wear Jesus. We need to put on our Jesus suit. What's interesting, going back to the church at Colossae, Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Now, he's going to tell us what our clothes are supposed to look like if we're a Christian. 
Now, I want you to go home and check your Christian wardrobe to make sure you've got these items. Clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with kindness. Clothe yourself with humility. Clothe yourself with gentleness. And clothe yourself with patience. If you've been following along in Colossians, the third chapter, starting with verse 12, that's exactly what Paul told the church. But then he goes on, and he gets two more items. He says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, that's another piece of dress that we oftentimes leave at home. Maybe it's seasonal wear. We're to forgive as God forgave us. And man, I, I got a lot of stuff I need forgiveness for. In verse 14, and over all these virtues, all these clothes. See, that's what Paul described these clothes as being virtues. But over all these virtues, all these pieces of clothes, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, love is a belt that holds everything up. Everybody's glad I wore a belt today, I hope. Amen. Paul talked in the book of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, of what we would be like if we had not love. Where we could have all wisdom, we could have everything, but if we have not love, we're not a Christ. You cannot be a Christian and not love. Period. Because that's what a Christian is to do. Is to love. The Apostle Peter says in the fifth chapter, verse chapter five, starting with verse five, in the same way you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. See, I believe humility and love dovetail. Y'all know what a dovetail is? You got furniture at home, it, it, it kind of dovetails, and you can't pull it apart. See, love and humility, they're really good bedfellows. Because I got to love you so much that I'm willing to get down to your level. I got to love you so much that I'm willing to forgive you. I've got to love you so much that I'm willing to set me aside. And put you here. And that takes humility. That takes us being humble. Paul talked about Christ to the church at Philippi. And he said, Even though Jesus was God. Even though He was the be-all of Ibal, is all, always will be all. He humbled himself and became like you and me. And he humbled himself to the point of being willing to be hung on that old rugged cross. 
for your sins as well as for mine. Lastly, there's another area that God wants us to be faithful in, and and I'm sure there's more. But in my estimation, God expects us to be faithful in our work. Yeah, job, well, yeah, your job, you're supposed to work as if you're working for the Lord. But I don't think that's what God's primary concern is. See, I really don't care. I don't really, and it's just me, I don't really care. I really don't think God cares where you work as long as it's not a sin or you're leading somebody else to sin. I really don't think that's a priority. But I tell you what I think is the priority is your Christian work. Oh, joy, we're saved by grace. Hallelujah, we're saved by grace. Because I can't work enough to deserve what Jesus did to me. But because of what Jesus did for me, I am commanded to work. Jesus tells us in the book of John, verse 6, starting with verse 27, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father was pleased, has placed His silver approval. Then they asked, What must we do to do the works of God that He requires? Jesus said, The work of God is this, to believe in the one that He sent. Do you believe in Jesus? I appreciate what Brother Scott, the big difference between belief and trust. See, the demons believe and shudder. Do we trust God? Should be the question. But when it really gets down to work, and I've tried to find some stuff, but there's only one that really stood out to me where God says, This is what you're going to do. He said, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you all. To the very end of the age, always. See, that is our job. That is the job of Christians. That's not just the job of the preacher, or not just the job of the deacons, or the elders, or the Sunday school teachers, or the passing of revivalists. This commission is for you, and this commission is for me. And it's about time we got to work. That's the mission of Jesus Christ. That's work. For y'all that weren't here Wednesday night, we baptized Davy Hayes. I'll bring him up here in a little bit. Out to family at the wellness center. And, and I don't put this up here for any praise towards any of the men that were involved. This is our job. And it took teamwork. 
You got five guys there, but you got Brother Les over here. He's the one that did the confession and taught him about Jesus Christ, what was required. You got little Eddie Lee Emery who called the wellness center to get permission to do it. You got a party unknown that donated a van so we could get Davy. See, Davy's in a wheelchair. And it took all us old fat men. This old fat man. And I hate that picture because I'm losing my hair really, really bad. <sighs> but you know, this is what being a Christian, that's what it's about. It's about winning souls for Jesus Christ. It ain't about this function or that function. Everything we do should be focused on winning souls to Jesus Christ. If we're doing it for any other reason, we don't need to be doing it. Folks, I really believe with all my heart that if we would stop seeing this as my church or your church or our church and make it God's church, a revival will break out in this church. It will break out in Hartford. It will break out across the United States if we put God back in charge of our church. Because, see, it's His church. It's not mine. It's not yours. Folks, I'm just a simple old country boy that I got some good clothes. And I needed Jesus Christ in my life. And I bet you do too. This is your opportunity. Maybe you need to rededicate yourself to the cause of Jesus Christ right where you sit or stand. If so, we'll be in prayer for you. Maybe you don't have a church. Well, we welcome you to God's church here at Hartford Christian. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Guys, man, don't walk out that door not knowing Him. Because you may not have an opportunity to walk back in. There used to be an old barn out on 231 for some of you old folks like me. Because I remember because I was a kid. There's an old barn, and back then he used to paint the tops of the barns. He used to paint the roofs with advertisements. And that old barn was an advertisement for Hess's batteries. And it said, very simply, where will you spend eternity? Now, I remember that because I was that tall. But there's no greater question that I could ask you right now except where will you spend eternity? Let us pray. We come to You, Heavenly Father, thanking You so much for Your church and for giving us the opportunity to attend it. We thank You so much for the gift of Your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because He makes it all possible. We just ask, Heavenly Father, that hearts may be changed, that minds may be opened, and that souls 
may be one to You and that You will use us for Your glory and for Your coming. In Your Son's sweet and precious, powerful world, I pray. Amen. Let's be standing as we sing.